This is the Pulse of Healthcare, broadcast from the Ovation Health Studios. Our podcast targets the challenges surrounding healthcare today in the United States. Our host, Dr. John McCormick, an expert in the industry, offers common sense and pioneering solutions for the future of healthcare. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is the Pulse of Healthcare. I'm Dr. John McCormick, and today's topic is going to we're going to delve into a little bit of mental health. We're going to kind of keep this one uh, light and short, right. but it's a such an important topic, you know. And I'm just going to talk about the trends in our plan. In our plan, pre the pandemic, we were averaging about five percent of our population were seeking some type of mental health care. You know, and, and across the entire spectrum, from from very light, you know, I'm I'm minorly depressed to, you know, the most major kinds of of mental health engagement you can have. Post during and post the pandemic, we have seen that trend line. It would I would say go almost straight up. We're talking about from a five percent utilization to a thirty percent utilization. Wow! With the trend line moving up to almost forty percent. Kind of on the average. So I, so I thought, is this us? Is this Texas? What's going on? Is it the weather? <laughs> yeah, is it the weather? Are we just all overheating? What's happening there? Uh, turns out that that's the trend line nationally. That that what we're seeing is an increase, especially among the youth, uh, engaging in more and more mental health care. And, and again, again, it gets, again, it's across that spectrum. And, and it might be, you know, my age, we just didn't talk about it. You were supposed to, you know, man up or suck it up or get over it or all the things that, you know, I heard all of my life, right? You know, that's just weakness and things like that. And I think we've removed a lot of the stigma, if you will, and their negative connotation about somebody seeking some kind of mental health care or counseling. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would argue a lot of times that um, mo- more people should trend in that direction and seek out those services that are, uh, I would say, uh, you'd be surprised how many services are just kind of ancillary to what you already have, right? So I know, um, for example, we have our telemedicine service, which does offer avenues for both behavioral and mental health services. And things like that can be really important. I think more than ever, people are overstimulated, right? A lot of the population is uh, constantly viewing 10 to 15 second clips of things and absorbing a lot of information over and over and over again. And once you do that to yourself, um, I I just think we're in a generation unlike any other where uh, there's so many things flying at you, you know, before... Back in your back in your day, you only had a uh, opinion on who the neighbor was down the street or what was going on in their lives. And now, I mean, we're tuned in, dialed in, and from Texas, I know what's going on over in China, right? So it's just it's a lot. It's a lot I mean, flying at us. Absolutely, Chad. I mean, when you know, and not to dive down the social media rabbit hole, but 
When I was a kid, we were forced to have conversations with people and relate to them face-to-face, and that's where we learned how to behave (laughs) and our manners. Much more positive interaction (laughs) once you're face-to-face, right? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you you say some of the things that you see said online and you get punched in the face. Right, (laughs) absolutely. But that wall of anonymity through through the Internet has uh, emboldened people a lot of different ways. One, we've lost a lot of the social norms, they kind of keep everybody on kill with each other. And two, I think it's driven us into more of our own isolationist, self-reflection, looking for approval from people we don't even know. And, and so I think all of that, with the inundation of, of information, as you said, is certainly a driver to people's mental health. Because I just don't think we were, you know, we weren't wired to process data that way. You know, from a... I, I mean, I yeah, we're, com- we're community organisms, right? Like, we're meant to be uh, within the community, the uh, biosphere ecosystem. And what we've done is we've created basically a false ecosystem for us to exist within and just absorb everybody else's false ecosystem, right? I mean, it's just information flying at you from all sides. But that's not to say that technology is this massive hindrance to society. Like I said, before you know it, I mean, especially during the pandemic, people, there was a huge rise in telemedicine services. And some of those telemedicine services are some of the best that are amazing outlets for people that are seeking treatment. Absolutely. So let's transition. So under the... Under the Mental Health Parity Act, and for those of you who don't know what that means, it means that your care for primary care services as you get from your normal doc, you're supposed to have parity in mental health services as well. Oh, wow. so, so if your plan offers, if, if you know, you're going through your health plan and they say, here's your doctor and this is your network and it costs you $25 a copay or whatever to do that, your mental health services actually should parity that. So if your doctor visits are unlimited, your mental health visits are unlimited. If your doctor visit costs you $25, your mental health visit should cost you $25. So they actually started treating mental health as a primary care service. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Here's the downside. The mental health community wasn't prepared for that when it came about a few years ago. So you may have all the same access via your plan, but your actual ability to get face-to-face with a mental health provider is extremely limited. Most of them don't take insurance. Correct. So so there goes that parity. The ones that do, you can't get an appointment for four to six months. Well, that means you're not calling them in a crisis. So there was a lot, there's a lot of hurdles. Now, beautiful thing what you just said about telemedicine. The telemedicine has kind of helped fill that void. So now I know through Ovation Health, we actually have three different options that provide, I'm not going to say immediate because it's not an urgent care, but relatively rapid engagement with qualified mental health providers. And we do that through both of our telemedicine, you know, our our telemedicine products that give you primary care and mental health. And we actually have a contract with a company that is strictly a mental health company that we also have national telemedicine presence with. 
So we took this innovation health as a very serious thing to look at, especially looking at our trend line. And we wanted to make sure that we brought those tools to the fight for our members. Well, and I think that there's something to be said about all, all of the science lately has pointed towards mental health being playing a huge factor in your physical health in the long term, right? And so um, it's, it's a no-brainer for health plans out there and for, for us to look at that trend line and say, well, this could easily then trend into this horrible direction where uh, stress is a factor, people are having more heart issues, more uh, organ issues, or maybe alcohol becomes a factor, right? And so you look at these, these the, the trend going upwards, and I do think that it is just as important. I agree with the parity law. It's just as important to treat mental health because it just could become any of those other serious issues later on. Absolutely. And what you just pointed out is exactly right. From a, from a health plan perspective, you know, if you're not thinking that mental health is part of the overall health picture, you're behind. Yeah. And, 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 and if you're not acknowledging the fact that if you take care of somebody's mental health, that you are, you know, you could very well be reducing alcoholism or stress or all of the knock-ons that come along with stress, heart attack, stroke, you know, diabetes because of overeating, you know, all of those things that, that roll into those kind of things is critical. And then cap that off with the kinds of contracts that we have where we're working with mental health providers that specialize in PTSD, that have a track record of actually helping people recover. And then I'm talking about, you know, oh, well, I'm seeing my mental health provider and I see him every month and I'm going to see him every month for the rest of my life. We're, we're, we're working with mental health providers that actually have a cure rate. So if you go to them with stress or PTSD or alcoholism, their programs actually bring you in and then exit you with the tools that you need to cope with that so you're not in a, quote-unquote, long-term treatment program. And I think that's important, too. I think people need that, that ability to say, I've conquered this. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've moved past this in my life, and now I have the tools to deal with what's in front of me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was actually a field that I was going to enter. Um, so when I started going to school, I was going to go for the long term for psychiatry. Um, and then I, I took a step back, look at the field, and it's kind of like HVACs, right? There's this insane need for them in the industry, but the amount of maybe schooling, work, so many factors play into the reason people don't step into the field right? Or how much it's even taught or pushed for in school. And so um, I personally did not want to pursue it because I couldn't find myself, I couldn't find it within myself to uh, prescribe, which is what the industry standard is. It is. I mean, that is that it's what the extra schooling would have been, right? Otherwise, I would have became a a school counselor or a, a psychologist and made little to nothing versus what the industry standard is, which is you can also prescribe. Um, and so having the, the people that we work with, and I've seen it firsthand as a patient advocate, they're genuinely devoted to you being able to, to have those moments, to be quote-unquote cured, right? To, to overcome whatever is going on with you rather than just, oh, you've seen us for one visit. Well, let's try out this medication. Maybe if it doesn't work, then we'll try out the next one. And then <laughs> it's, there, there's a little too much of that. And we offer the services, um, I can proudly say, that are leaning in the other direction. And I agree. I mean, as a former school teacher, I had lots of 
children that came to me on some kind of ADHD med or bipolar medication. And so difficult to, to work with those kids. And, and you know, just look at them and go, you know, this isn't the kid's fault. I was, I was probably undiagnosed ADHD all through my school. I never got any medication for it. Right. I got a lot of correction for it, right. but not medication. But what I see is, you know, kids get these medications, and it really is kind of a, a try-and-see deal. And then suddenly you've lost a week or two weeks or a month or two months of opportunity with the child because they started taking this medication, and now they're checked out. Yeah. You know, or, you know, when they're in the younger grades, like like I was teaching, fifth and sixth grade, they're growing so fast and their body hormones are changing so fast that it really becomes a gamble on what you're giving them because what worked two months ago isn't working anymore. So even our kids that came in, they were prescribed correctly and we're on track and we're doing things. You get halfway into the school year and suddenly they're not with you anymore. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and you had to be savvy enough to look at that and then go back to mom or dad and say, hey, might need to take them back, get a medication adjustment, things like that. And then you're in that monitoring track again. So certainly a difficult career path to be in. I think somebody that's truly empathetic, you know, struggles with that. Because when we, you know, I know when I talk to somebody that's struggling, I kind of take on their burden. And I, you know, I personally could never do it. I couldn't be in the right. job because I was like, I can't carry around everybody's burden with me like that, even though I recognize it's such an important thing. So I think it takes a special class of person to be able to do that. And like you said, I think we're trending in the right direction to make sure that we're getting people, you know, uh, not, a, not necessarily a prescriptive answer, but a life skills answer to help them accomplish those goals. Yeah, and I mean, the last thing that I have for this is I treat yourself, we've, we've said this over and over again, but don't put more care into your car or your shopping at the grocery store than you put into your own body or your mental health, right? So really do your research on the service that is getting rendered to you. I promise you there is cheaper solutions if you think that there's it's, it's too expensive, maybe. Um, there's cheaper solutions for, for helping treat or at least just someone to talk to. I know there's a lot of charity organizations out there that do the same thing. Um, but yeah, the, your your brain is the powerhouse. It's I mean, it's running the whole show for you. So make sure that you're taking care of it. Absolutely. Well, that's, I mean, like I said, it was going to be a really quick one today. Just wanted to touch on mental health. We think it's such an important issue. And uh, we'd love to see you back in a couple of weeks for our next episode of the Pulse of Healthcare. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.